I've just I've just received a message from Sam that says I'm at work. Right. Okay. So that that explains where that is. Yeah. I mean, he has a name. <laughs> no. no <laughs> not not that. As in, uh, I will edit that out. I'm not going to incriminate myself. Welcome to Stiff Upper Lip, the NFL podcast by Brits, with me, Ed Wilkins. Me, Emma Hebron. Me, Sam Long. Me, Tom Chapel. Excellent. Lovely. I promise for the listeners, I absolutely promise Emma is alive, alive and well. I know she she has lots to say, and she's she'll be with us soon. <laughs> Does sound more menacing as you sort of creep towards the microphone, to be fair. That was again a visual thing. Don't Yeah. I mean blank no. space works. It's it's a lot easier to edit out blank space, as I've now discovered. Yes, yeah. I it's not a very good conversational trait in real life to just like but it is a it is a good trait in podcasting to just allow space. Yeah. Collect your thoughts and carry on. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and not go um and then say a word. If I can just go um and then just cut myself and then start speaking again, then <laughs> That is the key to success. Indeed. And speaking of successes, Tom, let's use that as a segue into uh, what a success last night was. I think last night was a success, honestly, more first and foremost for the viewer. Yeah, it was a. It was one of those sort of Thursday night games where you definitely see the card on on show and you think, ah, it's going to be a bit a bit shit. And then you see thirty five thirty touchdowns galore, passing plays galore. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt just popping off on the day. That is that is the right level of performance for a Thursday night game. More of that, please. Yeah, absolutely. It's in case anyone's not aware, it was Cleveland Browns versus the Cincinnati Bengals last night. And yeah, the, the Cleveland Browns won it. It was one of those games where it was back and forth the entire time. It was just who whoever had the ball last was gonna win it. Yeah. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Although I did get the sense that either team could have beaten either defense on the day. It was sort of like both both offenses marched up and down the field, right? And both defenses couldn't really stop the other one. It's just in the end that the Browns had a bit more of a pass rush. Yeah, the way that the Cleveland Browns sort of went about their offense was they had a couple really big plays and then they just sort of let it go through their running backs and keep the ball just sort of ticking over on their own side. It, it surprised me that the Bengals actually had so much more time of possession than the Browns in this one because it did seem quite even, but the Bengals ended up with about seven minutes more. They just The only problem that I've noticed with the Bengals is that they couldn't make any big play happen. They needed one thing to go for more than 20 yards and they probably would have ended up coming away with a win because they had more thirst downs. They had the better fourth down efficiency, five for five on the day. But the amount of third downs that they ended up having because they just couldn't move the ball quick enough, it was like they Mm -hmm. took too long to do everything, unfortunately. Just out of interest, do you think there is, because we talk a lot about the clutch factor, we talk a lot about what that is and how you sort of analyze that and get a metric for that. Do you think like fourth down completions could be an example of a clutch factor. Like when you when you consider that Burrow had five out of five completions on fourth down, do you think to yourself, well hold on here, this is you know, this is this is something that the league should take notice of that this kid is sort of coming in and changing the way the Bengals are willing to play. Yeah. The main takeaways that I sort of got from it was that Joe Burrow looks like a steady hand in that offense. He looks like a guy that's been sort of at this level for a while now. And those fourth down conversions just kept coming. It, the way that Joe Burrow moves the ball, I I am very impressed with. To be honest, I can't see Joe Burrow making too many bad reads. I don't think that he makes too many bad throws a game. I think he's just he's calm and collected, but has that ability to make something happen when it needs to be. It's just behind that O line. I don't think that they had enough time to let anything happen. Yeah, yeah, he, he wasn't. He was sort of scrambling to make plays, and he did better with his legs, I thought, with it than with his arm. Even though he did have some very good passes. What impresses me most about Burrow, and, and you just said it, is the sort of the way he calmly goes through his reads. He's sort of everything that Sam Donald isn't, because Sam Donald has a big arm, 
all that sort of thing. But he panics under pressure, you know, and that didn't happen once with Burrow. He was so he he exudes a sort of calm that okay, so this is this is who he appears to me. And obviously, it's a bit of a strange comparison, but he so far has seemed like a slightly more adventurous Derek Carr. Okay, I can see that. I can definitely you... see the Derek Carr comparison. Yeah, because he gets the ball out quick. He's not got like a monster arm, but he's got enough. But more than that, he's unflappable. With regards to stepping away just slightly from Joe Burrow, but staying on the Bengals' offense, AJ Green had an okay start, but then the game just passed him by. Have the Bengals outgrown AJ Green at this point? I mean, you could argue he was on the decline for a while before sort of all these injury ha- all these injuries happened, and yeah, he, he can still sort of um, he can still sling it like he's clearly since he's number one wide receiver. But yeah, it, it does make you think this guy isn't as good as the last time we saw AJ Green. I'd definitely yeah. say that, and maybe that's just because he's not played games in like two years. Yeah, I mean, we've we've noticed the sort of common trend that there's a lot of guys with rust coming into the league. Maybe AJ Green is just sort of taking a little bit of time longer to shake off that rust. But it it does seem to me that they have more success going to both running backs. They have more success going to Tyler Boyd, who had a pretty decent day. CJ Uzoma, who unfortunately is also potentially now ruled out for the season, uh, waiting on an MRI for his Achilles. But it does seem as though the Bengals spread the offense around a lot of different players and when it comes to AJ Green he's no better than your John Rosses or Tyler Boyds for me as an actual target for Joe Burrow I think he may have let them down like slightly last night I, I wouldn't say that I mean I think that you're right I think that as perhaps the season goes on we'll see whether he's the player he was but I don't think he let them down because did he have any drops? I didn't think he had any drops. But by that same token, yeah, you, he's not a. Um, he certainly wasn't impressing me after the catch, mm. or sort of like with anything like that. So I mean, I, I hear your point, and I'm not ready to sort of. I'm not ready to say AJ Green's over, but I think that the spotlight is very much on him now. He's got a sort of a competent and capable passer. Yeah. One sort of slight moment before we sort of move away from Bengals offense, unless you've got more points to make about it. Oh, in fact, I've got two more points about the Bengals offense. First, Joe Burrow throwing 60 times in an offense tells me that either you as a coaching staff haven't appropriately sort of perfected how you want to use your players and that you are potentially relying too heavily on Joe Joe Burrow. I mean, it may just have been because of the fact that the Bengals had so much of the ball last night and didn't really make anything happen. But if you're relying on a quarterback to throw 60 times in his second game in the league, I feel like something might have gone wrong. And especially as well, because it only ended up in 316 passing yards. It did end up in three touchdowns. And Joe Burrow did pass the ball pretty efficiently, to be fair. But 60 times is a high number. I I know that in this current day of the NFL, it's sort of normal to see guys throwing it, but I I can't I can't sort of let 60 times go unnoticed. Yeah, and I think it's a really worthwhile point. So what I, from the game I saw, it seemed like the Bengals' plan was sort of that very West Coast style of offense, that sort of like try and throw for four yards each time. You know, that's 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 what I got for them. There was a lot of sort of hook routes, curl routes, slants, things that break over the top that sort of have the potential to pop, but they're all safe routes. I think they're trying to get I think they're trying to get Burrow comfortable with the offense for one. I think they're trying to give him, you know, safe routes and like scheme players open. I think that's important. But yeah, the other reason I'd say is probably just because they're chasing the game. Yeah, potentially. That could potentially be a a sort of case. I mean, it does also point out the way that Joe Mixon only had 16 carries on the day compared to Chubb's 22. It it does sort of point out, and I guess it is probably because they were trying to get back into the game. But even while they were trying to get back into the game, they still weren't trying any deep shot. I think that the Bengals' O-line might be the worst in football. And my reasoning for that is if... At any point, you start Bobby Hart or Fred Johnson in at least half of your games, you need to fix that O-line immediately because those two cannot block. They cannot get upfield and get to the second level. They can't protect. What the fuck are they doing as O-linemen? I think I think a lot of Cincy fans would agree with you that their O-line is the problem that needs fixing fast. Yeah, 
those two aren't. I wouldn't. I would agree with you and say they're not probably NFL caliber. Um, it's it's tough to see it because frankly, this is the kind of thing that ends quarterbacks' careers young. You know, whether it's you know a transcendent talent like Andrew Luck having to retire because his body can't play anymore, or whether it's a player who just can't never sort of makes it because he doesn't have the time to develop because he's just getting hammered all the time. You don't want to see it from Burrow because he looks a sublime talent. Mm. So here's hoping that since he can put some pieces in place to protect him or if they have to sort of like leave a tight end in on a lot of plays, just making sure, you know, there's that little bit of extra protection. Yeah. Moving over to the to the actual winners. I know it sounds like we've talked quite a lot about the Bengals, but there's a lot to talk about with them right now. Did Baker Mayfield have a sort of recovery day? We saw bad passes in week one. This week, I don't remember seeing him putting a foot wrong. I felt that the the Browns O-line recovered, although the Bengals pass rush is still a weak aspect as well. So maybe that was a reason. But it did seem like the Browns got their shit together slightly this this week. I think they're certainly certainly in the rushing game. They got their they got their mojo back, and I think you know Stefanski plays this like heavy play action offense. I think once the run game starts to sort of get going and starts to get buzzing, then they can like make the passes from play actions, like we saw so many sort of like naked boots where Baker would keep the ball and just throw him with that weirdly powerful style he has. Yeah, he didn't he didn't do a whole lot wrong. I mean, didn't he throw a pick near the end? He threw a pick that was sort of, I can't remember who it was that he was trying to get it to, but went down the middle and, and it ended up getting picked off. But I think uh, it was uh, William Jackson. That's right. Yeah. So, but I don't I don't know whether or not I can really even criticize Mayfield too much on that one. I, you see it happen sometimes from even the best guys. It's not like he sort of left one right over the top or threw it straight at a, uh, a DB. He was trying to get it into the guy. Dude made a good play, William Jackson. So Yeah, yeah. and I'm not... Yeah, I, I don't want to overly criticise Mayfield because he did have a very good game. And I, the, I'm not going to say this is the coming out game for the Browns because however well they played on offence and however good that pass rush is, they still conceded 30 points. But I think that it's, that it's certainly the best I've seen their offence play. Maybe since they beat the Ravens last year. I mean... One thing that we we should obviously mention is Odell Beckham Jr. He's 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 had a lot of critics. He still potentially has a lot of critics. But that forty three yard touchdown from Mayfield to OBJ definitely gave a lot of Cleveland a lot of hope. I think. I mean. Well, they- that he can still be the same OBJ, you mean? Yeah, because I don't know if you saw the actual route run that he made, but he he battered the Bengals corner on that on that route, that double move that he made sort of 10 yards off the line of scrimmage to just completely mug him off. That was elite wide receiver play from a guy who I don't think has been elite now for two, maybe three years at this point. Whether or not he can get going properly in the in the Stefanski offense, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. He does prefer tight ends for the most part. But yeah, it was a, it was a beautiful throw and a pretty solid catch as well. Mm, mm, I think I think so, and I suppose the final point I want to make as well is yeah I think that Nick Chubb had an absolutely outstanding game and he helped me out in fantasy no end so mm. that's good. Well, it wasn't just Hunt; it ended up being uh, sorry Chubb. It didn't end up just being Chubb. It ended up being Hunt as well. So two hundred and fifteen yeah. yards in total, two hundred and ten from the running backs, plus a fifty uh, fifteen yards of catch yards from Kareem Hunt, including a touchdown, those two could potentially be on for pretty big years. You think so? You just got to hope that statistically they don't take away from each other. Mm. I mean, I think that a lot of people would agree with me that Nick Chubb is clearly the number one, but they have a very, very talented number two in Kareem Hunt with a, a complementary skill set. Yeah, I agree. Shall we, uh, shall we move on to previewing some of week two? Nothing would please me more. I mean, unfortunately, we've got another host duel in in week two, and neither of the bloody hosts are here again. What's happening? I I do not know what to say. I tell you what, what we will do is, if we can, if not, we can just cut this out. We'll ask them to record a little bit of a fight speech, maybe. Just five minutes of them going, this is why the Bears are going to win. This is why the Giants are going to win. And we'll just butt out of our our coverage. Yeah, we, we we can sort of insert it, can't we? Oh yeah, of course we can. No worries. I will definitely be sure to try and do that. (laughs) I think the number one reason that we're going to win is because 
he's lean, he's mean, he's tough, he's the Mac machine. He is going to destroy any and every giant that comes in his path and reduce them to mere mortals so they look regular size. I mean, I think most of the reasons that will win isn't necessarily to do with us, but more to do with the Giants. Oh, like, yeah. Daniel Jones is not... Mitch is not great, but Daniel Jones is not great either. We've got some good receivers, we've got some good... Oh, like, David Montgomery is looking quite good. Cordaro Patterson's looking good. We've got some good people on defense. I think, yeah, I'm pretty psyched. I think if we don't win, it'll be quite bad. Oh, man. Well, those are definitely fighting words. Let's see what Sam has to say in response. Hi, this is Sam. I'm recording a little snippet that Tom asked me to do about why the Giants are going to beat the Bears. And he wanted it to be kind of a wrestling thing. Um, but I think even more disrespectful than any kind of trash talk is a straight-laced analysis of why the Chicago Bears suck. Now, the New York Giants... We know who the New York Giants are, and they know who they are. They're a team with a lot of young talent that has a lot of holes to fill, and isn't there yet, and they know they're not going to be there. But the Chicago Bears, having had one good season in 2018, think, and apparently all of their fans, think that this will somehow propel them onto greatness now and for all of time. And they expect this from a team with defence that's only gotten worse, and a quarterback like Mitchell Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky, who got picked second overall in the draft. And people are still surprised when he does anything good. Anything. You could have had Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. And you picked Mitchell Trubisky. And I think that is more emblematic of the Chicago Bears and their failures than a lot of other things that I could say. Because he encapsulates the Chicago Bears. You know, the New York Giants might not win as many games, but God damn it, you can respect them. But you can't respect Mitchell Trubisky, and you can't respect the Bears. Well, there's definitely no love lost between these two competitors. Let us know on Twitter who won the debate of destiny. So I guess we go on to uh, Eagles-Rams, where it's a pretty well, clean we- sweep. We do actually need to pick it as well. We just need to. We do just need to say that we've. Tom and I have disagreed on Bears Giants because I've gone for the Bears and Tom's gone for the Giants. Yeah, I saw a lot of encouraging things from uh, Monday night's game from Daniel Jones, and I think the Giants facing a team that may or may not be less competent on offense than the Steelers this year, I think will help them out. So I've gone Giants in this one but i could see it going either way yeah i think i think that anyone could see it going either way but it's the battle of the third best teams in their division isn't it yeah which i'm sure uh everyone involved from giants and bears fandom will hate us for saying anyway eagles rams eagles rams this is a this is an interesting game because as we said last week you know the washington d-line was able to demolish their sort of ramshackle Eagles O-line. So let's see what happens when Aaron Donald comes to play. And I've I can't see a way that Philly isn't just going to let Carson Wentz get creamed again. So I've gone for uh, the Rams to win this one. Yeah. I mean, this is where we I'd say are going to be separate from other podcasts in the uh, in the realm because we have admitted where we got wrong that the Rams were still going to be shit and now the Rams showed us that they weren't shit. And now we think, well, the Eagles are still shit, so Rams, straight up. Yeah, I mean, here's, here's, I'm still kind of hoping that the Rams are shit because I think they're the most talent-poor team in the division, and if Sean McVay coaches them up, then great. But yeah, I think that, I think that they have enough in the tank to beat, to beat the Eagles without really doing much. And then you consider as well, if they're, just to go on for a slight tangent, but if you consider the Rams do win this one, then... You know that they've already sort of got out two of their more challenging games of the year because if they if they win this one, then they've already beaten the Cowboys and the Eagles. You know they've got the Giants and Washington still left to play. So you could say, you know, well done for picking up the points where you could type thing to the Rams because Seahawks, Forty Niners, and Cardinals twice. You 
you're going to struggle to get points out of them. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to move on from that. Uh, straight on to Cowboys Falcons. We've already mentioned the Cowboys. I still believe that the Cowboys are going to be a good team. You don't, by the looks of things, Ed. It's not that I. It's not that I don't believe they're going to be a good team, but rather, the, I don't think the culture in Dallas is right at the moment. I don't think you know to to have been so successful without having any success last year. That points to a team whose heads aren't right. I don't rate Dak Prescott as a leader. I certainly don't rate Ezekiel Elliott as a leader. So I think that what you get is an offense that flatters to deceive and a defense that's missing a lot of key pieces. So I, I've gone for the Falcons on this because I just think Matty Ice is going to pass all over them. See, that's pretty much the takeaway that I've got. But from the other side, I think that where the Cowboys aren't particularly uh, impressive against sort of great teams, I don't think that the Falcons have been good since that Super Bowl loss. I don't think that they've quite fixed their own mentality I think that they're still down on their on their luck, and last week for me showed it still. So I can't see any way past the Cowboys win. And let's just say you you're so far the only person that has gone Falcons. Let's see whether or not you end up getting the right call like you did with Washington Eagles last week. <laughs> you're forgetting Jets Cowboys last year. Betting against the Cowboys has gone well for me usually. <laughs> well, yeah. However, no such disagreement this next game. Buccaneers, Panthers, we've all gone Bucks. I, yeah, Ronald Jones for me is going to be the player to watch. Thousand percent. The Panthers' run defense last week against Josh Jacobs was bad. Their passing defense isn't much better. I don't think that the Panthers are going to have very much luck moving the ball except through CMC. It's very much one player versus a team that is still trying to find their feet. And I think that this is where the Buccaneers will at least show a little bit of might. Yeah, I think I think if last week showed us anything about the Panthers, it's that as brilliant as CMC is, they can't rely on him to win games by himself. And there, I, I don't see... because. Teddy Bridgewater is a is a like I say he's a great QB in my opinion, but he's not a grab the game by the scruff of its neck and make changes. He's a manager team manage a competent team to a win tight quarterback. So I've gone the books and I don't think many people would be in disagreement. And I think the Panthers need to sort of need to find option B on that offense really quickly for when they can't just hand it off to CMC. Agreed. Another game we've all completely agreed on, potentially the worst team in the NFL right now, New York Jets. They they play the 49ers, who could potentially be in transition. They lost last week. They're, they're technically two losses on the bounce if you include the Super Bowl loss. But I mean, come on, it's 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 New York for fuck's sake. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I can see I can see the 49ers getting 60 here. It's just <sighs> It's just, it's just awful timing for the Jets because they they come up on a t- they're coming up against a team with Super Bowl aspirations that lost against a team that they feel are their junior. So the the level of SmackDown I'm expecting from this game is extraordinary. Yeah, it it definitely feels like. Uh, do you remember when um, the Cowboys went into Washington and just absolutely obliterated them last season for 52 mm-hmm. points because they will they were still sort of trying to get their foot in. This is what this game feels like as a 49ers game for me. I think that Kyle Shanahan will have probably bitch slapped the fuck out of his team for what happened. Robert Sala will have also bitch slapped the fuck out of his defense for allowing mobile quarterbacks to do it. And then they're just going to go out there and completely destroy Sam Darnold as far as I'm concerned. It's, it's yeah, field day. Field yeah. day for San Fran. Do you want to, do you want to put a little, um, do you want to have a little flutter on how many sacks you think San Francisco is going to get? I'm going to say, against this O-line... And the fact that Sam Darnold holds onto the ball for too long. And Sam Darnold holds onto the ball for too long. And they don't have a running back anymore because, yet again, Le'Veon Bell is is out injured and Adam Gase doesn't trust him. And they're likely going to be chasing the game. Yeah, I'm going to say it's probably going to be... 13 I'm saying I'm 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 saying big numbers. Mhm. 13's historic numbers. I'm going to say 10. I think 10 sacks is the expectation. Yeah. Sorry Jets fans but uh, you're still garbage. I mean at least it's, at least until Adam Gase goes. Yeah. Yeah. He's just a he's just a fart in human form, isn't he? Yeah, he's fucking terrible. Right. Okay. Shall we move on to a game which I think you'll be very interested in, Tom? Yeah. Um, Steelers Broncos. I think this this the game the last of the early games. I feel like we're a bit too early to be the last of the early games. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I've got that wrong. Well, anyway, Steelers Broncos. It's at Heinz Field. 
I think we are so far of the of the votes we've received in the podcast, we are all in lockstep that the Steelers will win this game at, at home. Yeah, I think because of the fact that I'm quite high on the Broncos still, even though they lost against the Titans, I think the Titans and the Steelers this season are going to be very similar teams. Obviously, they have Derrick Henry, but we've got better wide receiver as far as I'm concerned. I feel like both offenses are pretty much in step. I think that both defenses are pretty much in step as well. I think the Steelers probably edged the defense battle, but the Titans have got a very solid outfit. The Broncos struggled to move the ball against the Titans last week. I have a feeling like the Steel Curtain's going to show up again here, but don't rule out Denver for potentially causing an upset. But for me, it's it's going steal away. Yeah, discarding against an upset, but you're making it sure that you don't think there's going to be an upset. You just don't want to be. You just don't want to be sad if there is one. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to be like bashful. I don't want to sound like I did for the Jets 49ers game about the Steelers Broncos game, and then we sort of downplay our our opposition and end up fucking throwing it all away. Like who knows at this point where where is the Steeler organization beside sort of eighth in my power rankings. Oof. Um, yeah, like I say, I, I don't really have too much more to add other than I don't understand why Denver seem committed to Melvin Gordon. I Well, they're going to have to be because Philip Lindsay's out of the game. Is he? I didn't know that. Yeah, he's, he's been ruled out apparently. So, well, that, well, and that Cortland makes it Sutton's, even less likely. Well, Cortland Sutton's also still questionable. He, apparently, he's had limited tra- uh, practice, but I, it could be interesting to see just how many Broncos are actually out. Yeah. But they still have Fant, who was the best player on the pitch last week. Well, yeah. Okay, shall we shall we move on to those um, those crazy old Titans versus the Jags at Nissan Stadium? As the I always hear the the announcers call it that. I'm like, isn't it isn't it Nissan? Right. I'm so glad that you've done this because I pronounced it like this on a live stream once, and now I get rinsed because I say. Well, I said the word Nissan once and it's because of the NFL that I did it because I saw it written and I was like, oh, it's Nissan. And I was like, no, it's Nissan fucking NFL. It's ruined my life with these shit adverts. And I'm so glad that you've just done it as well. (laughs) All right. I'm just going to cut everything aside from that, that laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. Anyway, that was brilliant. Thank you. I don't want to hear that one again. Oh, 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 oh yes. That was, that's like cricket circa 1950. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely an orderly gentleman. Yes, yes. Spiffing. Anyway. So, Titans-Jaguars, as, as well as the Jags played in defeating all odds against the Colts last week, Lightning isn't going to strike twice, is it? No, I think that that was on the Colts as well, more than it was the Jags. So, and the Titans, like I say, they've got they've got a comparable uh, comparable defense, I think, to those top defenses in the league. Whereas the Colts just don't. So, I don't think that Minshew's going to get the opportunity to just sit back there without any pressure. I think that the Titans are winning here. Yeah. Do you think, based on what we know of Jadavion Clowney to this point, do we think that like? A random week two game at home to the Jags is where Clowney's going to have one of his Clowney games and get like four strip sacks. It just. That I'm going to say just, no because it's not on a prime time slot. That's true, actually. Yeah. yeah he shows up during prime time games. He does not show up during now. That's true. That's true. Shall we move on to the All NFC North game? Packers Lions. Yes. Um, here's hoping the Packers lose. That's it. I think I've gone Lions actually, just out of spite. Um, Molly is is very. She's viciously certain that she needs the second half of her tea, even though I would like to point out I fed you the first half less than half an hour ago. Yes, yes. So we shouldn't be bothering me for the second half, should we? No, we shouldn't. Excellent. I'm glad we agree. Okay, carry on. We are now just getting sort of strokes while we talk. So if I seem absent, it's because I'm focused on giving this girl's ears a good rub. Packers-Lions, you've gone Lions. I've gone Packers. I think based off of what we saw against the Vikings, I think that the Packers are going to be a, a menacing team. Plus you add in the fact that the Lions secondary is now made out of twigs because everyone's injured. I can't see any any other outcome than Aaron Rodgers just fucking opening up a can of Wapass here. Yeah, I'm I am inclined to agree, and I'm sorry because I'm going to have to move you, Molly. Because as you can probably tell, see from the webcam, she's right there. 
Yes, um, I think that I think that the Packers will have no trouble dispatching the Lions, but I've gone for the Lions to win out of pure hope. Okay, it's a it's a good time for hope. Yeah, well, what I've sort of done is I've I've recorded like a help me Matt Stafford message into like a Detroit wheelie bin. Okay, that was a Star Wars reference, but it wasn't very good. So let's let's just keep let's just gloss over that. Yeah, I I, I sort of got it, but um, yeah, Bills Dolphins. Oh, sorry, Dolphins, Bills, should I say. Bills at Dolphins. Yes, yeah. Again, this is sort of one of those games to me where it feels like the Bills have yet to face a real test because they've played a Jets team that was unexpectedly awful last week, although we should have all really seen it coming. Now they're playing a, a Dolphins team that was middling to poor, I think is the best description of this Dolphins side at the moment. I hope they'd be further along in their development. I don't expect great things from either team really in this because the Bills do have this habit of sort of playing down to their opposition and teams we should expect them to shellac sort of beating them by like eight points or whatever. But um, yeah, expect expect a fairly low scoring game just because the, the, neither offense is built to pile up points. Mm. The only difference is the Bills defense is built to stop people, whereas the Dolphins defense is, you know, not. <laughs> yeah, I, I've also gone Bills. The Dolphins to me are not ready at all. And the Patriots game showed it. The Bills sort of sit in this weird point of limbo to me where they like you say, will beat teams that are better than them, but also will just lose against teams that are that are not. I'm I'm uneasy, shall I say, about the Bills, but the Dolphins make me more uneasy. So yeah, Bills <laughs> Bills win. Okay, and then we move to the final game of the early window, which is my beloved Minnesota Vikings on the road in Indianapolis to face the Colts. I think that the Vikings should have too much for the Colts on this. I mean I think they proved they were competent offensively. And whilst they, you know, they're going to need to improve that secondary, especially at the corners, fast, doesn't feel like Indy necessarily have the uh, the pieces to really take advantage of that in the same way that, in the same way that um, Green Bay did. And I think also, yeah, Philip Rivers. I mean, we, we said it all in the sort of earlier pod in the week, but I'm not sure Philip Rivers has it anymore, which is a shame because, you know, players like him kind of did make the league special for a while. Uh, Tom, your views on Colts Vikings? My views on Colts Vikings are that, like you say, I think the Vikings all potentially have a bit too much for the Colts. Um, They're also in transition, except there's sort of a weird point where teams are trying to bank on old guys coming in and fixing their situation in brand new offenses and thinking that that's going to be a good idea. It's why I've not bought into the Bucks hype because it takes a long time to learn an offense as a quarterback. And I know that as an experienced quarterback, you may be able to sort of see patterns here and there and pick up things because there'll be, there will be carryover. However, Phil Rivers joining a new team at this age is not a good look. He didn't look comfortable against the Jags and they aren't a functional defense. The only thing that I think Vikings fans should be worried about is their cornerbacks. But even even still, I think they've got too much for them, really. Here's hoping. And also, I'd like it if we could register a sack this time. Well, it's going to be tough to register a sack this time because the Colts have the best offensive line in the league, as far as I'm concerned. It'll be the first time, if we don't register a sack, it'll be the first time in franchise history we've not registered a sack in two games. Well, wow. Something to consider. Helmer Hits is a non-profit organisation on Facebook that is helping to further the culture of American football in the UK by contacting councils to get the sport into schools and by helping donate money to current teams so they can buy equipment and kits and anything that they might need. If you go onto their Facebook group, you can buy raffle tickets for £10 to win autographed jerseys and helmets. So get on it now. Cardinals Washington Ed. This is an interesting game for me. It's sort of like um, a, a very much a clash of styles, a very a stodgy Rivera offense versus a high flying Kingsbury offense, and a stifling Washington defense versus sort of quite an open Cardinals offense. So I think it should be an interesting game. I think 
I think people are quick to write this off because it's got Washington in it. But again, I think it should be a fairly entertaining spectacle. I think that as long as as long as the Cardinals on offense can do Cardinal things, I think they should win. But I think the I think Washington will hold them to a good game. I don't think there are any gimmies at this sort of stage of the season. Well, that's the thing you you mentioned in the last episode that the NFL is exciting when two teams of contrasting styles play each other, and this is a game between two teams of very contrasting styles. Like you say, Ron Rivera is very old school head coach in in the way that he does things. He builds from the back is is a is a term that many football fans will know. Whereas the the Cardinals have sort of built this quads offense, air raids, just mess really, but it, it it is a very exciting offense. I've gone Cardinals to win, just mostly because the the WFT for me still don't quite click enough on, on offense. I think you're gonna see a lot more big shots coming and I don't think the WFT have got enough to keep up with it. But we'll have to wait and see because this is it's two teams that are completely different to me to last year facing off in a game that we've not seen for a while. So let's wow. let's see how this goes. It should be quite a hol- a horrible sort of colour clash as well. Yeah. It certainly won't be one for the eyes. Yeah, because uh, uh, maybe because obviously the WFT will be in their in their light unis. It's not exactly like Bengals-Browns, which is continually the worst colour clash in the NFL. Although, I mean, special props, I think, have to go to the Rams for designing a kit that's worse than the Buccaneers one. That is a disgusting kit. Yeah, we sort of we were talking about having a segment all the way back in the beginning of season one where we'd sort of review a uniform a, a week or something. And at this point, I just don't want to do it because the Rams and Falcons and half of the Chargers have ruined their uniforms. So mm-hmm. bollocks to you all. We'll fucking, we'll do what we like. It's, it's why teams with, I mean, I'd, I've never really liked the Rams. I don't understand why they can't just like pick a color scheme and go with it. But like the Falcons, your kit was good. Like, why have you ruined it? Mm. Why have you just slapped ATL on it? Like, that's not how you spell Atlanta. <laughs> Yeah, the font choices, the color choices, the gradient choice, just none of it really works for an NFL team as far as I'm concerned. Go go classy, go classy. If you're you're going to rebrand, rebrand like how the Jets rebranded because they are still a bad team, but at least their jerseys are nice. Which Pez was it where Juventus were called Juventus? It might be Pro Evo 2. Because that's the sort of thing, like you look at the Falcons kit and you think that's like a 2003 Pez created kit. Oh yeah, a thousand percent. I could do better in Madden 05's creator team. So uh, anyway, enough about two teams that aren't actually going to be on the pitch. Cardinals Washington, Cardinals have it. Texans Ravens Ed. Poor Deshaun Watson, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Poor just... kid. What a terrible start to a season for the Texans. You you faced the MVP of two years ago, Super Bowl MVP, and then you faced last year's MVP and a team that just racked up fucking 38 on a Browns team that, yeah. Houston are in trouble because Houston, we've got a problem. Oh, that wasn't good, but it was also brilliant. Thank you. Which is basically all of my jokes. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, but I've got the Ravens winning it. Just <sighs> Lamar Jackson, come on. Yeah, yeah. I'd say the the worst part for the Texans is that they've come up against the two teams that it's, it's hardest to mitigate their abilities. Like, how does it translate that one week you have to defend against Mahomes throwing the ball over you to next week you have to deal with Lamar Jackson running the ball through you? Like, uh, the answer to that is you don't. Yeah, and that's going to be painfully obvious for Texans fans this week. But you can't look past the Ravens for this game. You you just can't. You know, it, it's a shame because on another day, if you think, oh, the back office of the Texans hadn't made such stupid decisions, you know, they they've proven time and time again that they can draft great players, but they they can't seem to maximize them or retain them or anything, which is the that's the mark of a good a good you know franchise, one that's able to maximize its star talent. Speaking of the Chiefs, because I'm I'm happy to leave it where it is. Cool. Chiefs Chargers, uh, we've we've all gone Chiefs, of course we have. In the same way that Texans who faced the Chiefs last week are going to lose here against the Ravens, I think that the Chargers who scraped past the Bengals team that are sat 0 two 
are going to get, well, fucking mauled, to be honest. And it makes it even worse because now Mike pounces out for the for potentially the season as well. So that Chargers O-line, which struggled last week, is going to be even even leakier. Yeah, against, without, yeah. without the leader of the O-line, yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, the, there's not much to say about this game other than the Chiefs are great. I guess they had a couple of slip-up games next year, and you could see this as being a potential banana skin. But by that same token, up and down the field, the Chiefs are better than the the Chargers. And I adore Anthony Lynn after hard knocks. I think he's an incredible human being. But whether the team he's assembled is good or not, I think the jury's still out on that one. In the same way that we've taken a little bit of a bet on on Jets 49ers, how many rushing yards are we saying Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to rack up? Give me a figure. I'm going to go for the ultimate Andy Reid prop, and I'm going to say zero. I'm going to say that he gets all of his yards through the air. Wow, okay. Because I was going to say something like whoever gets closest to the yard uh, buys the other one like a beer or something. But if you're going zero, then I, I guess I'll just go one. But that's that's a cop out. I'm going to say fucking. I'm going to put. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to say 88, 88, 88 rushing yards. yards. Okay. Well, any anything below eighty-eight, you can buy me a beer. Anything above eighty-eight, I'll buy you a beer. Uh, sure, whatever. <laughs> Basically, you're predicting him to do well on the ground, and I'm predicting him to do well in the air. So, I don't think I don't think anyone at this point is being like Clyde Edwards-Helaire. He's not very good. I think the Chiefs proved once again that they're able to draft very well, and they picked up just another piece in what is a, a well-oiled machine on offense. Yep. Every day, one man must sit on the floor in some pillows next to a clothing rail in a spare room while his colleagues sit on a comfy bed with appropriate seating. For just £200 in total, we can get this man a chair and a table so that he can podcast in comfort and not need to stretch his groin every week. Please, please pledge as much as you can or as much as you really want to, to this poverty-stricken boy and help him afford a table and chair. Please go to http colon forward slash forward slash www.stiffupperlippod.com forward slash the cleft chinchilla appeal appeal. Thank you, and please donate what you can to this unfortunate boy. Thank you. This has been a message brought to you by the Cleft Chinchilla Appeal Appeal Foundation. If you would like to know more, please visit our website. Thank you. I adore this, girl. <laughs> um, also, I heard you confirm my alive status earlier. Yeah, I just I want... I am, in fact, alive. Mm-hmm. Ooh, you are not ouch, hearing the words me. of a ghost. <laughs> this is... Then you can tell from that because she's hurt herself. <laughs> um, yeah, should we move on? Seahawks Patriots. Seahawks Patriots sounds like a good area. I've noticed, Ed, before we get into it properly, uh, you've called a tie. Yes, I have. It's got a tie written all over it. No matter which way you look, this is an interesting figure. It's Until the Philly Super Bowl, this was the most exciting Super Bowl in recent memory. It's just a rematch of that. The faces change, but the way the franchises are operated stay the same. It'll be an interesting game. Whether, whether or not you like the Seahawks and Patriots, you can agree. The way both of these teams play at the moment keeps scores close. So mm. why not a draw? I think it's it'd be so Belichickian for one to have a draw. Hasn't Belichick basically only tied like twice in his entire career, though? Yeah, but okay. with this with this Patriots side, with who they are and how they're built to play, it's got draw written all over it. I want I want you to elaborate whether or not it's going to be the Seahawks leading the game in terms of offense, or whether it's going to be the Patriots' defense that's the main factor in keeping it low. And what score is this game ending in a tie for you? It's gonna. It's. I mean, one thing you've got to remember is that Pete Carroll's on the other side, so it's not going to be like twenty-one. It's going to be a strange number, like twenty-five all. Yeah, that is and true, actually. It, yeah, t- twenty-five. Both teams are going to have some unknown catch-a-touchdown pass. Like, literally the first time you've ever seen that combination of first name and surname. And, yeah, it's, it's going to be a classic. Okay. Um, now, for a, now for a take that isn't ludicrous. <laughs> Seahawks are going to win this one. I don't think that it's on the Patriots to 
sort of take this game as a bad loss. I just think that the Seahawks have got too much might. I think that as much as Bill Belichick will never let it on, I think he's preparing to win the games that he deems as winnable. I don't think that this one is going to be on that list. I do think that the Patriots will probably have some unknown player make the play for them. But I can just see the Seahawks not running away with it. But I think it it could end up being quite a high-scoring game. It'll be interesting to watch, obviously. I mean, it's the Sunday night football game for a reason. But for me, personally, the Seahawks are going to win this one. I can understand. I think of the two teams, the Seahawks are the ones that are more likely to come away from a winner. But this is is just saying draw to me. And besides, you've got to remember, I didn't pick a draw last week. So I've got to pick two this week. That is true, actually, um, which is funny because you've only picked one. I haven't. I picked Browns-Bengals to draw and oh, you did. the Browns did me over. Yeah, by actually showing up. Say, Ed, do you know when the Stiff Upper Lip podcast is going live? I do not. Do you want to know where you can find that out? Most definitely. Well, you can find that out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can find all of our information on the Twitter account that is at StiffLipPod. You can also check out our Instagram, which is StiffUpperLipPod. And you can also go to Facebook, where you can find us under the Stiff Upper Lip Podcast. You should know which one it is by now, even though there are several. You Bobby Dazzler. Anyway. <laughs> Get in the back of the net. <laughs> back of the net. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Just be like, oh, Drew Brees, what's he all about? Oh, Drew Brees, what's he all about? I wish I knew. Anyway, um, I'm also cutting that because that was also dead air. <laughs> Every time you talk now, I'm just going to go, Drew Brees, what's he all about? <laughs> oh, dear. Don't, because that'd be a nightmare to edit out. I won't, don't worry. I will, I will purposefully leave the last half hour of the pod for you to edit. Oh, don't do it. I don't. So, Molly, give over. What are you doing? Why are you trying to get into my guitar bag? Raiders Saint said, Monday Night Football in Las Vegas for the first time ever. Who are you yeah. taking? You, 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 sort of, you, sort of get the, you sort of get to thinking the only reason that the Raiders have this as a Monday nighter is because of the new stadium, because it's certainly not on the ability of the team. Yeah. Uh, that said, I have picked the Raiders because of an intense and burning hatred for the Saints. See, I've also gone for the Raiders but I don't think it's because of a burning hatred for the Saints I just think what I saw last week was Drew Brees has had it I think he's regressed to a point where his arm has nothing left and I think that when they faced Tom Brady in a new Bruce Arians offense that wasn't sort of as much on show I don't think it it looked like Drew Brees was still doing what Drew Brees does but with no Michael Thomas now because he's out for the game and Emmanuel Sanders being more of a deep threat sort of guy, I think that we're going to see Josh Jacobs be the deciding factor. And I think that the Raiders will edge it. It'll be an edge, but they will edge it. Mm-hmm. I tell you, I mean, for, for viewers of this game, if you like seeing passes of more than 10 yards, I think you're probably out of luck. Yeah, although, I mean, Henry Ruggs last week was... As Sam elegantly put it, good. Yeah, he was as advertised, wasn't he? But the problem is, I was thinking this the other day. I was like, the Raiders have the most cautious in running back in the NFL, and they've just picked a game-breaking wide receiver. He's going to find one target a game, and it's going to be on a wide receiver screen or a jet sweep. But I do have to say, I am sort of intrigued by the whole idea of, will Henry Ruggs actually make this team interesting to watch? Because think, if, they, if they can move the ball efficiently uh, on the ground with Josh Jacobs, and Derek Carr can throw the ball pretty well, and Henry Ruggs can get open pretty well and make plays, are they going to now be at least palatable as a team to enjoy? Here's hoping, and here's hoping they demolish those Saints and wipe that stupid grin off Sean Payton's face. Well, I guess we're out of games. So mm-hmm. we're pretty much we're pretty much done with the episode. We've got 
one closing sort of thing. So our first few episodes have been very much structured into just reviewing and previewing the games. But by the time that there's some actual bye weeks where we don't have to sit for an hour and talk about games, we can maybe actually start mixing in some more content, Ed, which That's I'm right. looking forward to. I'm looking forward to it too. There will be, I'm happy to say there will be a Mr. Caviar Fingers episode. I am on that. I have my calculator ready. Yes. Mm-hmm. And there might also be some other fun concepts as well. I mean, we've also got to talk sort of power rankings as well. That is, yeah, that is a thing yeah. that we need to we need to keep doing. Um, One day we might play pin the ponytail on Derek Henry. You know, just keep it fresh, <laughs> keep it light. Yeah, uh, you will be potentially seeing in the coming weeks a companion piece article, our our third article on the website, which you can find us at https colon forward slash forward slash www.stiffupperlippod.com. So if you'd like, I have a story that I was intending to tell you. Shall I, shall I make that my last act? Yeah, go for it. Because I need to shoot, I think. So my, my father um, came round the other day and we, we sort of had a socially distant chat. And while he was round, he asked for a bag of crisps. Yeah. And so I gave him a packet of ready solid hula hoops or like original flavor hula hoops. And do you know what he did? What did he do? He asked me for the Hendersons, right? I've heard of this. Poured a few drops of Hendersons in his hula hoop, shook it up and started eating them. I've heard of this before. I genuinely, I think it is a fantastic idea, to be honest. I've since tried it and it was glorious. Yeah, because ready salted crisps are boring on their own. I'm not going to go that far. I'm a fan of Ready Solid. I'm I'm fine with them. They are they are reasonable, but there's a reason why people say that the same sort of people that are voting for Brexit are the people that are well getting a plain ham sandwich, plain bottled, bottle of water, and Ready Salted crisps in their meal deal because it's bland. Uh, I mean, I hear you, but any anyway, yeah. So, yeah. listeners, maybe maybe your task for this week on the socials would be to try a bag of regular crisps with a splash of hendos in let us know how it goes i like this as a uh, as a thing so yeah so let us know you can a little bit you, of homework yeah and like i say you can let us know on our twitter uh, which is pretty much where you'll see me reacting to pretty much everything that happens in the nfl uh, and that is on at stiff lip pod but anyway i guess this is the point where we say goodbye yes listeners once again you have been lovely thank you for listening to our ramblings Thank you for continuing to support us. I guess we bid you adieu. Yeah. Uh, bye. See you later.